we're looking, we're back to our series again, uh, Liar, Liar, Pants on Fire. I know that's, you know, very heady stuff, but, uh, but we're looking at lies, and primarily we're not looking at lies that we tell others. We shouldn't be doing that. Uh, clearly, you know that from the Ten Commandments. That we're not supposed to tell lies. But in this series, we're looking at lies that we hear, lies from the world around us um, that we hear. And in fact, not only do they come from the world around us, um, but they first are originated from Satan, and then often... We are deceived, and we can begin to lie to ourselves as well. And so it's part of the introduction here about that, and talk about how we can at times lie to ourselves and why we do that. Uh, scripture is clear that there are times that we are deceived and that we lie to ourselves. We comfort ourselves wrongly, or we rebuke ourselves wrongly. One of the ways we lie to ourselves, Scripture says, is, we can lie to ourselves and deceive ourselves in thinking that we're saved when really we aren't. And so James 1.26 speaks of this. If anyone thinks himself to be religious and does not bridle his tongue, he deceives his own heart. This man's religion is worthless. Certainly this is one of the worst lies you can tell yourself is to say, hey, I'm okay with the Lord, when in reality... A lack of change in your life reveals that you are not okay with the Lord and your religion is worthless. We can lie to ourselves and thinking we're not in sin. 1 John 1 8 speaks of this. If we say we, we are deceiving ourselves and the truth is not in us. And so we can't comfort ourselves by saying we have no sin because we are all, even us who are saved, who have been given new hearts, who have been regenerated, we still have indwelling sin that we're fighting. And so we still fight sin in our lives. We can't say that we do not have sin. We can deceive ourselves in our own pride. Galatians 6.3, if anyone thinks he is something when he has nothing, he deceives himself. Our own pride can get us to deceive ourselves. Now, these are some lies that we tell ourselves, and there's many others. And in fact, today, I want to look at some lies that we tell ourselves, and, and we need to be ever vigilant about this. We can be so deceived by the world that we pick up these lies and tell ourselves these lies, but why do we do this? Why do we lie to ourselves? I mean, that's not helpful to lie to ourselves. So why do we do this at times? Well, one reason is we lie to cover up other sins in our life. Sometimes we'll lie to our, ourselves because there's a sin, another sin in our life, and we experience the passing pleasure of that sin. And we say, wait a minute, sin is pleasurable? Well, there is a momentary passing pleasure that sin provides. Otherwise, temptation wouldn't hold it out there for you. Of course, the end of sin is destruction. It is not going to ultimately satisfy. And yet, when we want that brief moment of pleasure, we may lie to ourselves and say, it's okay. It's not a big deal if I do this. And we will lie to ourselves because we want that other sin. But as sin just so temporarily satisfies, like the bait on a fish hook, the fish, is it satisfied by that brief moment? Well, maybe in the slightest little bit it is, but certainly it is not worth it. And we need to recognize that the passing pleasures or sin is just like that bait on a hook. So we may lie to ourselves to cover up other sins. Sometimes we lie because we hear lies around us all the time. We are bombarded with lies. And 
when lies are said to you over and over again, there is a temptation and actually a tendency even to start to accept that lie. And you even start believing it yourself. So this is called, they call it the illusion of truth effect or the reiteration effect. And that's the tendency to believe false information the more times you're exposed to it. Now, if you're familiar with propaganda and what governments have done with propaganda, um, they understand this effect. And so they'll just keep lie again and again and keep stating it. And then eventually people lose the will to resist the lie and start to believe it. And this happens all the time. It's, there's documented cases, obviously, in Nazi Germany. Um, but there's cases today in countries like Russia and China where a lie keeps being told and eventually people decide, okay, uh, it must be true. It's been said all those times. So we need to be careful lest we continually hear lies that we just start accepting them and then repeat that same lie to ourselves. So that's another reason we lie to ourselves. A third is we see others believe or listen to lies. And this is the, what we call the peer pressure effect. You see other people all following a certain lie, something that at first you would say, well, that's not true, and yet everyone else is believing it. Maybe, maybe. And then you start telling it to yourself as well. Uh, some of you may be familiar with something called the, the Atch line test. Uh, this was a social experiment done many years ago, I think uh, 70, 80 years ago. But what they did is they got a group of participants, 12 people. 11 of them were actors. 11 of them they coached ahead of time. And they said, when we present a question to you, we want you to give the wrong answer. And then one person was unsuspecting that went in the room. And they went in the room. And this is a sample of what the test would look like. They showed them two cards with lines on them. And they showed them the, the line on the first card, and they say, which line on the second card most closely is the same length, or most, uh, most accurately represents the length of the line on the first card? And they had everyone in the room say, oh, it's A. It's definitely A. And the one guy, they, did, you know, just be uncertain, but okay, it's A. And they would, he would say the wrong answer. And then they'd get another group and do the same thing, and the second group would all say B, and he would say, okay, well, I guess it's B. Um, now, not everybody failed this test. Some people stuck to their guns and said, wait, the real answer is C here, you guys. You're all crazy. <laughs> but often what happens is if everyone else is saying something, what they found is you start going along with it because, well, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe... Maybe I'm not believing right. And I think it's an interesting test that they did. But we have seen this play out in our society all the time. When everyone around you is saying, this is the way things are, this is the way things are, you can feel, oh, maybe I'm just not seeing something. Maybe I'm stupid. Okay, I'll go along and we'll take up that lie. So we need to be careful for sure in that. A fourth reason, and this is really a summary of the previous three and what I want to dig into a little bit more, we can lie to ourselves when our minds are led astray. We lie to ourselves because our minds are led astray from the truth. We fail to hold on to the truth revealed in God's word. We start drifting off to something other 
than biblical truth. If our minds faithfully held on to biblical truth, the truth about Christ, we wouldn't be lying to ourselves, but we fail to do that. Our minds are led astray. And there is a verse that talks about this, 2 Corinthians 11.3 speaks to this. When Paul writes to the Corinthian believers, but I am afraid that as the serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness, your minds will be from the simplicity and purity of devotion to Christ. In this letter that Paul wrote to the Corinthians, 2 Corinthians, and turn to that passage because we're going to look at it for just a little bit. 2 Corinthians, the second letter that we have that he wrote to the Corinthians, uh, he spent much time in this letter defending his ministry. He spent a lot of time in this letter uh, saying how he is uh, an apostle to be listened to, that he does care for them, that he's not trying to just get their money or get a following for himself. And he spends a lot of time confronting false teachers as well, because it's these false teachers who were saying uh, such negative things about Paul and leading them astray, leading them to false doctrine that was contrary to Scripture. So let's look at verses 2 to 4 here, actually, in 2 Corinthians 11. He writes, For you with a godly jealousy, for I betroth you to one husband, so that to Christ I might present you as a pure virgin. But I am afraid that as the serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness, your minds will be led astray from the simplicity and purity of devotion to Christ. For it comes and preaches another Jesus, whom we have not preached, or you receive a different spirit which you have not received, or a different gospel which you have not accepted, you bear this beautifully. Paul expresses his great love toward them in saying he has a godly jealousy, and literally the, the jealousy of God. I am jealous for you with the jealousy of God. It's a godly jealousy, a jealousy of God, because it wasn't self-serving. It wasn't, I'm jealous because I'm not getting the attention I want. No, he has the jealousy of God for them. He is jealous on God's behalf that they aren't worshiping God as they're holding to the truth of the gospel as they should. And he was wanting better for them. Look there in verse 2. He says, so that, I, that to Christ I might present you as a pure virgin. What we see here is an analogy that he's using. The church is the bride of Christ, and he, Christ wants a pure virgin virgin. He wants a pure bride, free from sin. And Paul wants that for the church, and he certainly wants that for Christ. And so he, he goes to that illusion. I think, you know, in, in our uh, physical world, in our everyday world, certainly we, a pure bride dressed in white, and that's a, it's a good thing. And we know that, that um, a bride coming to her wedding day should be pure. So that illustration just so perfectly represents how we should be before Christ. And so Paul is, is so jealous, uh, passionate, so concerned for them because of that. So that is his big concern, but he says there's a problem. Verse 3, but, although this is what I want, but I'm afraid. I'm afraid that as a serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness, your minds will be led astray. He is concerned that their minds will be led astray. And really, this is where the battle happens, and this is where it all starts. It's in our mind. I mean, certainly Paul did not want to see them participating in ungodly acts, to do wicked things. 
But he says, I'm concerned that your minds will be led astray because once your minds go, then your life is sure to follow. And he's concerned that Satan will lead them astray. Satan did that with Eve. We remember that, that she was led astray. That Satan told, be like God, you will know good from evil. This will, this will be good for you is basically what Satan was saying. It's better. You know, this is, God doesn't know what's best. I'll tell you what's best. You should do this. And so he deceived Eve. It's, it's just what he's doing today. Paul says he's doing the same thing today that he can deceive and lead others away. Astray from what? The simplicity and purity of devotion to Christ. We need to stick to Christ. The gospel is clear. We need to be careful and battle against the deception that's in the world. Now, we face another problem. We face our own flesh as well. Our own flesh leads us astray many times. Uh, we know 1 Peter 2.11 talks about this. I urge you as aliens and strangers to abstain from the fleshly lust, wage, wage war against your soul. So our own flesh from God, and what Satan does, he comes al right alongside and encourages that. He encourages us to feed our flesh. So we have these two forces working against us. Now, how does Satan do this? How does Satan work? He's encouraging our flesh, but the deception comes through false teachers. Look in verse 4. This is what Paul warns against. If one comes and preaches another Jesus, whom we have not preached, or you receive a different spirit which we, you have not received, or a different gospel which you have not accepted, you bear this beautifully. Their minds are being led astray from the devotion to Christ through false teachers. Other guys were coming in, and, and they're not obvious. They mix in some truth with the falsehood. But they were coming in and leading these Corinthian believers astray, getting them to believe a different gospel, a different Jesus. And then he sarcastically says at the end, you bear this beautifully. He says, you just welcome them right in. You have no problem. You just accept them in and accept their lies, and you become deceived yourself. And so we see this warning that Paul gives, and we may cringe and think of the Corinthian church and think, how could they be so stupid to believe these lies, to accept them beautifully, as he says? But frankly, isn't that, are there times when we might accept the deception beautifully? that we accept it in so easily. The lie we're going to look at today is one that I think that we have done that. I think that we have at times accepted beautifully. We not only are willing to listen to some lies, but sometimes we pay good money to hear those lies. Sometimes we have good chunks of our time to listen to these lies as well. So what is the lie that we're going to look at today? The lie we're going to look at is, it's just entertainment. It's just entertainment. Oh, you're concerned about this movie, this TV show, this other thing I'm watching? It's just entertainment. It's just something I'm relaxing watching. It's just entertainment. We live in an entertainment-soaked culture. And I'm not, this message just happened to correspond to the Hollywood hike. It was kind of funny, uh... The juxtaposition of those. <laughs> Hopefully we weren't promoting Hollywood by doing that. No, I don't think so. But um, 
But we have entertainment everywhere today, whether it's television, movies, streaming services, Instagram reels, YouTube, or even novels. It's on our televisions, our computers, our iPads, our phone, our Kindles. We have entertainment at our fingertips all the time. There is more entertainment available to us than any time in history. So much entertainment. I, for us old people over 50 years old, um, you know, we had TV, but there was a limited set of channels you had. You basically had the networks and then a few others in between channels 2 and 13. Um, and then suddenly there was cable, and then suddenly there's streaming, and then there's internet. And it is amazing, and not only on the TV, but all these other devices that can feed us with entertainment constantly. And then not only do, these, do we have these options available, but we have the time to watch them, too. If you look back, uh, a little bit further back in history, even before I was born, if you can think back that far, um, <laughs> people long hours, when they were done with whatever their regular jobs, is they were having to do hard work around the home, around the farm, uh, other things. But today, it's, we have a lot of conveniences. Um, it's pretty simple to, uh, to live in our current society, and our current culture, so we have the time. And so often, what our society does, and sometimes we do as well, is we fill it with entertainment. And it, it's no surprise why. It's available, it's inexpensive, it's amusing, and it's always there. And it's interesting. Entertainment is interesting, so we can... We can easily get sucked into our entertainment soap culture. Now, in considering addressing this topic, frankly, I was a little hesitant to do so. Um, teaching on the dangers of entertainment can be challenging, and I think there's a few reasons why, why it is. Uh, first of all, there's, there's some people have some wrong responses to a message like this. So I want to warn you of some wrong responses. Um, I used to be on high school staff, and so there would commonly be... Uh, a message, something about entertainment, and I've seen a lot of wrong responses, uh, even at that age, but I think as adults, we can do the same thing. One wrong response is this. Well, I don't watch any television shows, movies, or streaming content. I'm glad I'm not like those other people who watch those horrible things. Now, I'm not saying it's not wrong to cut out all entertainment. That's fine. Wonderful. If you have that as a personal conviction, to do zero entertainment, that is... Nothing wrong with that. It's great. But you need to be careful you don't wear that or make that a source of pride in your life. Don't walk around as a Pharisee and just say, well, all those other people are not nearly as godly as I am because I'm not watching any movie. Or be careful that you don't have that response. If you don't consume you know, an absolute zero in entertainment, just quietly thank the Lord that he has kept you from that and uh, find other principles that you can apply to your life. So just a quick warning on that. Secondly, another wrong response is, okay, pastor, tell me, tell me the line I can't cross. What's the rating I can't see, and what ratings are okay? Give me that line. Is it R movies? Is it PG-13, PG? Just, just tell me what the line is, and I'll make sure I don't cross that line. I'm not going to give you any line today. There is no way I'm going to tell you this is the good rating or system, and this is not. First of all, to do so would almost certainly encourage legalism. It'd be setting up an artificial standard outside of Scripture. And, and I don't want to do that. 
I don't want to set a system that allows you to be legalistic. Secondly, you got to understand the rating systems on whether it's movies or TV shows or other ratings, they're not made by believers. They're made by unbelievers. Are we entrusting unbelievers to be discerning about biblical truth for Christians? Well, that's probably not a good idea. I think we can all say, or most of us at least would say, oh, I know this bad rating movie was actually not as bad as this lower rated movie. And we can see that uh, at times because, look, the unbelieving world uh, is not going to be a good judge of what is biblically right and biblically wrong for us to watch. So to present some kind of line to you is unwise, just because any kind of a rating would be foolish, but secondly, just to avoid uh, legalism as well. And then another less than wants can be, if some kind of standard is put out there, it's like, well, let me know the standard, Pastor, so I can argue with you about that. You know, Whatever you say, I'll find a reason to argue with you about that. Or perhaps even worse is I presented some kind of line and it was, oh, you said it was okay to do this, but I did so and my conscience was very bothered by it and I feel like I sinned. Well, I do not want to present anything to you and say, I recommend this or this is okay because I don't know, number one, where each of you are at in your walk with the Lord and what will affect your conscience. There are some things that are clearly wrong. So it's not that we're not going to say anything today, but it's not going to be presenting some line that either gives an opportunity for legalism or for license of, well, it must be okay because pastor said this was okay. So for these reasons and probably more, it's not wise to, for a preacher to talk about this topic, but I'm going to do it anyway. So, um, <laughs> so here we go. Here we go. The lie is it's just entertainment. We're going to talk about it here anyway. So while I believe this lie was originated in the, in the mind of Satan, this is one of his schemes. It is something that we can take up, be deceived by it, and tell ourselves. And that we can say, ah, I know I don't feel bad about watching this, but I'm, it's just entertainment. So this lie, it's just entertainment. I think the first thing we should ask ourselves, look, is it? Is it just entertainment? Entertainment, we can say that, we can think, therefore, it doesn't affect me. It doesn't affect me. It's just entertainment. But this reveals a certain measure of naivete. It's affecting you at all. You're just a bit naive because it is affecting you. And we'll look at ways that it's affecting you. So we need to be careful with this lie. It's just entertainment. But this lie is often coupled with a couple other lies that we can tell ourselves. I can handle it. Yeah, I know this movie has some garbage in it, but I can handle it. Well, can you? Is the question, can you really handle it? This is really uh, showing a measure of pride that, hey, I'm above that. I'm above that type of sin. That would not affect me at all. It's unwise arrogance. You know, in the Lord's Prayer, or the disciples' prayer, better called, Jesus taught us to pray, lead us not into temptation. Well, that's a good prayer. We should repeat that idea in our prayers. But so help me if we pray that prayer, and then we should never pray that prayer and then turn around and 
feed ourselves with temptation willingly. But I can handle it as a lie, we can tell ourselves. And another corollary is it doesn't bother me. Yeah, I know things are going on on that screen, in that book, in that movie, TV show, whatever it is, but it doesn't bother me. Well, should it? Maybe it doesn't bother you, but maybe it should. Maybe your conscience has been seared where it doesn't bother you. But maybe, maybe it really should bother you. And there are things that bother God. There are things that God hates. These things should bother us as well. So these are the lies that we can tell ourselves. These lies I think we face in our modern culture. And while in Paul's day, it was false teachers who would, who would begin these lies. In the public square, they would hear these lies being told. Who are the false teachers of today? Uh, we don't usually, or at least I got to say, I don't go to the public marketplace and hear uh, an occasional person come in and speak uh, philosophy or different things. But through the TV, the creators of the movies, the creators of these things, those are the current false teachers of today. That's not to say every single thing on TV is false teaching, or every single movie, or every single thing, but there is false teaching mixed in that you need to be watchful for, that you need to guard against. So that is the lie. Let's look now at the truth. So we're going to look at a number of points of truth that we need to keep in mind as we face this entertainment soap culture. And the first is this, time is precious. Time is a gift of God. A year ago, there was an article in the U.S. News and World Report, and the headline was this, outside of sleeping, Americans spend most of their time watching television. The article goes on to explain how when you add up the time watching television, including watching live programming, viewing DVDs, streaming shows on TVs, computers, and por portable devices, it averages 3.1 hours per day per individual. So that's the average from the study that they did. Three hours, over three hours a day per individual. Now, hopefully you hear that number and go, oh, I'm in good shape then because I'm not doing three hours a day. Hopefully we're all bringing down that uh, number. I, I hope that's true because that is over 20 hours a week of feeding your mind with entertainment. It should sound like a high, high number. But what does Scripture tell us about time? Well, I think Psalm 90 is a, is a key psalm that reminds us. This is a psalm of Moses, and he talks about the length of our days. He says in Psalm 90, verses 10 to 12, as for the days of our life, they contain 70, or if due to strength, 80 years. Yet their pride is but labor and sorrow, for soon it is gone and we fly away. Who understands the power of your anger and your fury according to the fear that is due you? So teach us to number our days that we may present to you a heart of wisdom. That last verse, teach us to number our days that we may present to you a heart of wisdom. Help us to understand our, the limited time that we have. Give us that understanding, God, that we are careful with our time. We have 70, 80 years. Of course, lifespans can go a little longer now, but it is limited. How much time? And in Ephesians 5, we're reminded of the same truth. Therefore, be careful how you walk, not as unwise men, but as wise, making the most of your time because 
the days are evil. And as redeemed children, we need to make the most of our time. We need to make sure we're not spending excessive amounts of time entertaining ourselves. What should our focus be on? What should our time be spent on? Certainly we need to sleep. If you don't sleep, you're going to have some serious medical issues. Uh, certainly you need to work. You need to provide for your family. Work is a good thing created by God. But in addition to those, our focus needs to be on evangelism. We are to be the salt and light in this world. We've been given the ministry of reconciling men to God. Evangelism should be our daily week. Our focus needs to be on loving the brethren. As a believer, you're part of the body of Christ. That means you've been given spiritual gifts for which to serve others in the church. Your time is well spent in using these spiritual gifts to serve others. Are you doing that? Is that where your focus is? Third, our focus needs to be on growing in the knowledge of God and his word. We should be spending time reading scripture. There's, we have more Bibles that we can read today, have access to, than at any time in history. I can't even think of how many versions I have or copies of the Bible I have at home. Not to mention you go online and there's a number of websites where they have all different versions and so much accessibility. You have it on your phone, I'm sure, access to it as well. Yet are we availing ourselves of these resources? We have God's word available to us all the time. So our focus needs to be on these things. And I understand, I mean, it's harder to go out, share the gospel with a neighbor or coworker, or to serve others, or to even study God's word than to sit on the couch and watch something. It's harder. Uh, let's not pretend that it's, oh, it's just as easy. No, it's easier to sit there. There's a reason, you know, people do it. There's a reason there's such thing as a couch potato. Because that's an easy, relaxing thing to do. And I'm not saying, let me make it clear, I'm not saying all entertainment is bad. I'm not saying you can never watch a show or a movie or anything like that. You can choose not to, and that's fine as well. But I'm not saying that it's absolutely wrong for you to do so. But the warning that I'm trying to hear is you need to evaluate how much time you are doing with it, watching things. If it's 20 hours a week, I, I think you really better evaluate. But just really look, how much time are you spending that? And is your focus on these other things instead? Sharing the gospel, loving others, seeking God through his word and, and other solid books. There's a, so many great Christian books as well that we can be reading. So that's the first truth to remember. The time is precious. The second is this. God is holy and omniscient. We need to remember this truth. God is holy and omniscient. God's holiness includes his majestic and transcendence and glory, but it also means he's morally separate from sin. He is, has no sin in him whatsoever. Uh, the illustration is given by a Puritan if, if the represents God's holiness. And one drop from a dropper of sin could pollute that whole ocean and kill everything. That's what it would be like if sin ever got into God. He would, know, see, he would cease to be the God that he is. He has not a drop of sin, not the closest thing to any kind of wickedness in him or evil. 
He is a perfectly holy God. Scripture is very clear about this. We sang holy, holy, holy this morning, didn't we? So we remind ourselves of that, that truth. Isaiah 5.16, the Lord of hosts will be exalted in judgment, and the holy God will show himself holy in righteousness. Revelation, who will not fear, O Lord, and glorify your name, for you alone are holy. For all the nations will come and worship before you, for your righteous acts have been revealed. God is a holy God and completely righteous in all that he does. So as we remember that truth about God, that attribute, let's also remember this. God is omniscient. God knows all things. There is nothing that God is unaware of. His knowledge is not limited by scope. He knows everything. It's not limited by observation. He knows our thoughts, our motives, our feeling. It's not limited by time. He knows the past, the present, and the future equally as well. God is perfectly omniscient. When we apply that omniscience to ourselves, we, we can see places like Psalm 139, where the psalmist writes, O Lord, you have searched me and known me. You've known when I sit down and I rise up. You understand my thought from afar. You scrutinize my path and my lying down and are intimately acquainted with all my ways. Even before there's a word, God knows every single thing about us, every thought, every word before it's even on our lips. The Proverbs also reminds us, Proverbs 5.21, for the ways of a man are before the eyes of the Lord, and he watches all his paths. God's omniscience extends to your daily life, your every moment of your life. Okay, you take God's holiness then, you take God's omniscience. How should that make us respond? If God is perfectly righteous, perfectly holy in all things, and he's perfectly aware of everything we do, that should change our viewing habits. I don't know if you've ever watched, been watching something, whether it's on your TV, your internet, or even your phone, and maybe a little child walks in the room, or maybe your mom or someone when you were growing up walks in the room, and you got this off. I got to change the channel. Uh, someone's coming. I understand that feeling. It's like, oh, I'm, I'm a little embarrassed what this other person is going to see. Of course, the obvious parallel is God is watching. God is right there, and he's a whole lot holier than your child or, or your mom. No offense, mom. Um, if it would bother us for a family member to walk in, shouldn't it bother us realizing God is watching what we're, what we're watching? Shouldn't that affect us? He is there. He is, he knows exactly what's going on. He's omniscient and he's perfectly holy. So it, it should affect what we watch. Well, the next truth that I want to look at, which is, goes alongside this, is God hates sin, and so should we. God, as we talked about, and his holiness and righteousness is coupled with perfect justice. God will bring justice in the end. And because he's holy and just, therefore God hates sin, and he must judge it. There must be judgment against sin. And we see God's hatred towards sin in many, many verses in Scripture. I was looking at this the other day and just even personally surprised 
I could have picked 20, 30 verses, but I just picked two here, Psalm 5, 4 to 5. You are not a God who takes pleasure in wickedness. No evil dwells with you. The boastful shall not stand before your eyes. You hate all those who do iniquity. And Psalm 711, God is a righteous judge and a God who has indignation every day. God's right fury against sin, not once in a while, every day, God has hatred against sin. Now, if these things are true about God, as children of God, shouldn't we hate sin as well? If these are things that God hates, these are things that we should hate as well. And the scripture certainly speaks to this. The fear of the Lord is to hate evil. Pride and arrogance in the evil way and the perverted mouth, I hate. Psalm 97.10 commands us, hate evil, you who love the Lord. And Romans 12.9, abhor what is evil and cling to what is good. So again, if God's wrath burns against evil, how can we turn around and see it as enterprise? How can we watch something and something comes on the screen that you know dishonors God? And we just, oh, it's kind of funny. It, just, ah, it's, it doesn't bother me. It doesn't bother you. Well, it should bother you. It sure bothers God. His wrath burns against it. And again, I'm not saying every TV show or movie is evil, but it sure isn't all pure and wholesome either. I think we know that. So we need to be very careful. If a program glorifies sinful behavior, you should be repulsed by it, not entertained by it. If it contains sinful behavior, it should repel you. So God Hate sin, and so should we. Another truth is, loving our neighbor precludes exploiting them. As Christians, love our neighbor. I think, I don't think I have to convince you of that. John 15, 12, this is my commandment, that you love one another just as I have loved you. And the love we are to have for others is not just towards other believers, we're to love our enemies as well. Uh, Pastor MacArthur referenced this verse this morning. You have heard it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. So we are to, to love others. Now, how does this apply to entertainment? How does this apply to the choices we make and what to watch? Well, the main way that I want to point to is to think about the actors and actresses who are making these movies. Do they have to perform actions to make these movies that are causing harm to them? Are they doing things that they may not even know? They may be doing these willingly, and I would guess most are doing them willingly. But you know that this is going to cause not only havoc in their life, but they're building up wrath for themselves in the day of judgment. If we cared about these people, then we would want the best for them. And so what I'm very specifically speaking to is that there's certain actors or actresses who have to dress immodestly or 
behave immodestly or inappropriately immoral on TV shows, and you say, well, it doesn't bother me. I can handle watching that. Well, you realize that's a person who's having to do that thing. And you are participating in destroying that actor or actress's life by watching it. The law of love that we have in Scripture means exploit women like that. And that's what it is. It's exploitation of others. We must not do that as believers. It's not loving for us to encourage, to pay money to see someone damage their life. How should we treat young women? Well, the Bible tells us how we are to treat young women. 1 Timothy 5, 1 and 2 and some instructions to the church, it says, Do not sharply rebuke an older man, but rather appeal to him as a father, to the younger men as brothers, the older women as mothers, and the younger women as sisters in all purity. We are to treat women as sisters in all purity. Well, certainly this is true in the church, but isn't this true in all of our life? If we're supposed to treat women in the church with purity, certainly the ones outside as well. Is that purity by encouraging the type of actions that need to be done to make movies that show immodesty or morality? So statements of I can handle or it doesn't bother me overlook the fact that you are causing harm to these young ladies who are making these movies, and we are not to treat them in that way. Another truth, before we get to our response, and it's this, our sin starts with wrong thinking. And I touched on this earlier, so I won't spend a lot of time on it. But the whole rationale of the statement is just entertainment is that it will not affect the way that we live. But the reality is, you listen to lies in movies, you will start incorporate them in your own thinking. And... Gandhi, you are susceptible to believe it. In some ways, the media, TV shows, can act in the same way. I think um, we've seen this very clearly recently, the whole LGBTQ movement. And they have even stated it very clearly. We just start introducing characters. Let's start getting characters. We want a homosexual character in here. We want a, a transgender character in here. We want these different things to start as a background character, all right, as, as two background characters, all right, let's have them as a main character. And eventually what it does, as people watch, it starts to normalize that behavior. Okay, it's just, it's just part of life. That's, that's not a big deal. It's on the screen all the time. And we got to understand, it's a battle for minds is what's going on here. It's not by accident that that's happening. And it's not just that issue. It's ramp on that issue. But there are all kinds of messages in movies that are repeated ad nauseum that if we hear it enough, we start to believe the lie. The battles for our minds, and we got to recognize some lies are told, like pursue romantic love above everything. How many movies have that message in it? If not the main message, it could be an additional message in there. Or don't let anything get in the way of your happiness. If the outcome is desirable, it doesn't matter what you have to do to achieve it. As Pastor John spoke of this morning, revenge is something that is a good thing. We see that as a message in so many movies. Some we've talked about already, follow your heart. Trust your emotions. 
you do you, just look out for number one. These are messages in movies that we can hear so many times, and it affects our minds. So the battle is there. We can't overlook that fact. Watch and listen to a lie, the more susceptible you are to believing it's true. 2 Corinthians 11.3, what we've talked about to start off with, we can be, our minds can be led astray by listening to these things. And we had looked in previous weeks at Colossians 2.8, see to it that no one takes you captive through philosophy and empty deception, takes you captive, kidnaps your mind is what's going on here. So the truth we need to bring to bear on this is recognizing it's not just the content, but what is the message of these movies? And it, it, it matters. It matters what's being said here because we can begin to believe it if we're not careful. So five truths we looked at. Time is precious. God is holy and omniscient. God hates sin, so should we. Loving our neighbor precludes exploiting them. And our sin starts with wrong thinking. The battle is there in our minds. Well, let me just finish by talking what our response should be. Okay, well, if that was the lie, it's just entertainment or statements of I can handle it or it doesn't bother me. These are the truths we looked at. Well, what is our response then? Three responses. One, evaluate when you watch. Evaluate when you watch. How much time are you using to watch things? Perhaps go home today or tomorrow and calculate the number of hours you watch, whatever it is, streaming services, TVs, movies, YouTube videos, whatever. You may be surprised how much time you're spending. And then consider, how can I better use some of that time? How can I better use my time towards sharing the gospel or loving others or seeking after God? So evaluate, recognize the value of time. Secondly, evaluate what you watch. What are you watching? What is the content of what you're watching? Does it glamorize sin in any way? Does it seek to amuse you with things that God hates? Are you consciously aware of God's presence as you watch? Would you watch this if Jesus was physically in the room with you? Does it exploit the actors and actresses? Does it treat women with all purity? Evaluate what you watch by some of these principles of truth that we looked at. And I want to give you a pro tip on this, okay? Here's a little life hack pro tip. Say you're watching something. Maybe you even did a little research. I think this is clean. I think this will be okay. So you, you start watching, and all of a sudden there's stuff that happens, uh, stuff that occurs, and you're like, whoa, you can turn it off. <laughs> Seriously, you can just shut it off. You, you got an off button, you just, boom, you hit it off. It's off. If you're in a movie theater, you walk out. You just, you just get up, you walk out. You can do that. That is totally legal. <laughs> You'd be surprised. You can do that. And in fact, sometimes in movie theaters, they'll even give you your money back. Uh, we had that experience. In fact, we were going to see a movie, and the previews were so bad that we walked out. I just couldn't believe these previews. And we, they gave us all of our money back, which was fantastic. But even if they didn't, who cares? What do you really lose by not seeing some story portrayed on a screen? You know, what do you lose if you shut off a TV show when something comes on and you don't see the rest? 
oh, I didn't know what, how the story ended. I don't know how it all resolved. You know what? That's okay. Hey, <laughs> it's not going to matter. You won't matter. It won't matter at all to you. So shut it off. It takes some guts to do this sometimes. It's hard, especially when you're with other people. It takes a little guts. And, and men, I encourage you to be a leader in this. Do, shut it off. Be a leader in this. I mean, it's hard when your whole family's watching, and, and maybe they're not as bothered by it as you are, but you know what? You can do it. This is a way you can be a leader. Just shut the thing off and say, hey, let's talk about why that dishonored God. You know what? That, 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 that was glamorizing sin. We shouldn't be seeing that. So use, it's, it's a pro tip. There you go. It's free. Walk out, shut it off, but you don't have to watch it. Finally, in your response, evaluate how you watch. Say you've made it this far, or it's not filled with garbage. Evaluate what's being said. What is the message of the movie? What is it saying in the movie? What's the message of the show? What values are they promoting? Is there anything being promoted that is contrary to biblical thinking? Use your mind. Even if the content is clean, evaluate the message, what's being said there. And you know what? Discuss it. If you've been watching it with your family or with your spouse, discuss it. What, what was that? What was the message? What do you think they were trying to say here? Is that a good message? Does that, do we agree with that? Does that align with Scripture or not? So evaluate when you watch, what you watch. Evaluate how you watch. So let me just close. As you go out, again, you're going to have opportunities to watch entertainment. And like I said, I'm not saying you can't do any, but you need to be It's a battle for your mind, so you need to be careful. So therefore, Ephesians 5, therefore be careful how you walk, not as unwise men, but as wise, making the most of your time because the days are evil. Let's pray. Father, we are we are grateful for all the conveniences that we enjoy in this world, whether it's driving in a car here or filling up our trunk with groceries or having all the different conveniences. And yet, Lord, the convenience of entertainment is one I know that is so dangerous. So dangerous, and we need to be so careful, God. So pray that you would give us wisdom with that that we would be mindful of, of your presence, that we would never be amused or entertained by things that you hate. Lord, give us a greater hatred for sin. May our consciences be more sensitive to sin. And Lord, and give us the courage, the godly courage, Lord, to to turn it off or to avoid it altogether, to never begin. Lord, we, we just pray, God, we want you to be glorified. We want you to be honored in our lives. Pray that you'd continue to do that work in us. We ask in Christ's name, amen.